Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. That's what the gospel is. It is a message about how wicked people can get their lives put together. It's a message about how the wicked through Jesus Christ can have a righteousness that makes them bold. Bold as a lion. We sit here this morning because we've all been affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We all have found our spots out in the world, but thank God we rejoice this morning because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that made the difference in our lives. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Amen, amen. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place today. The voice of the Lord is in this place today. And with the voice of the Lord comes the voice of the enemy. And as we're praying and as we're worshiping, I just felt some of you are are doubting what what it is you are experiencing thinking that it's all just emotion that it's all just hype but let me assure you the presence of the Lord is in this place and he is what you are experiencing this morning it's not just hype it's not just emotions it's his presence Philippians 1 27 we're going to read through verse 30 says this only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which He saw in me and now here to be in me. I want to read verse 27 again. I want to read it from another version. He writes, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. Verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. Amen. I want to preach for the next little bit on this title. Worthy of the gospel. Worthy of the gospel. Would you lift your voice right now? Let's just begin to pray. Lord, we love you in this place, God. We're so thankful for your presence that we feel. Lord, what a privilege and honor it is, God, to stand on holy ground. God, and I pray right now uh, that you would just, your spirit would fall. I pray that you would minister to our hearts and our minds in a mighty way, God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. Worthy of the gospel. Brother Rice taught a great lesson this morning on fear and the fear of the Lord. And perhaps in the first few moments of this service, you will think that we studied together. (laughs) What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? You look up on... The internet, you will find different things, different fears that are shared by people everywhere. 
You will find results that say people are afraid of losing their freedom. People are afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of pain, disappointment, misery, loneliness, ridicule, rejection, death, failure. And many of these fears are tied together, such as death and the unknown. Rejection and ridicule, pain and misery, failure and loneliness. If you notice, these fears are not specific. They're just general. I ran across another category that broke it down more specifically. This list contains the top things that Americans are afraid of. Public speaking, snakes, heights, being enclosed in small space, spiders, needles, mice, flying on airplanes, dogs, thunder and lightning, going to the doctor, or the dark, except if you're Chuck Norris. <laughs> this is obviously a much more concrete list, and I can identify with, with parts of this list, and I hope you don't think less of me because of that. I'm not going to tell you what I'm afraid of because I know you people and what you would do to me. Okay, so, But we all have our fears, don't we? We all have things that we are fearful of. You see, fear is a basic human emotion. Your list won't be the same as mine, but we can all identify with some things on the second list and, and most of the first list. If, if, if we aren't worried about mice, we certainly fear rejection, especially rejection by those that we love. And death is something that all of us have thought about at some point. I'm not surprised to find the fear of failure that comes at the top of the list, and uh, that's probably at the top of the list for most people. How frustrating it is to feel like you've wasted your short journey on earth. It's a terrible thing to conclude that your life was a bust because it didn't turn out the way that you had hoped that it would. But I was thinking somewhere along in our thinking, God has to figure into the equation. There must be a reason that the Bible tells us in various ways and in various places to fear not literally hundreds of times in your Bible. You see, fear is such a basic human emotion that many of us constantly live in the grip of fear and in the grip of worry and anxiety. And I believe that God told us to fear not because he knew that we would all wrestle with fear sooner or later. He designed us. He created us. He knew that we would all deal with this monster. You see, fear's whole design is to stop you in your tracks or drive you back. You see, fear, I believe, is one of the most uh, used tools in the devil's toolbox. The enemy loves to use fear because its sole purpose is to keep us from making progress and moving forward. Its whole design is to stop you put right in your tracks and put Put you back where you were instead of going forward and being all that God wants you to be. You see, fear causes people to go in a different direction. In the opposite direction that God wants you to go. The word fear, here's what it means. It means this, to take flight or to run away from. To take flight or to run away from. So when Jesus says fear not, he's not telling us to not feel fear. 
Because fear is real. He's not saying that that feeling will disappear right away. That's not the message. But when he says, fear not, he's saying, when you feel fear, don't run. That's right. Don't run. When you feel that feeling trying to creep into your life, you need to confront it with a made up mind that says, I'm not going to live a life in fear and I'm going to stand upon the word of God and I'm going to fear not. You see, church, we don't have to go through this life being afraid. And I preach the word that Jesus said, don't fear, don't run, stand fast, be steadfast, unmovable. You're going to feel fear, but we can't help that. But when it comes, don't Run. Don't run. Stand fast. Stay put. God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. He wants to use this church. But fear puts the brakes on the progress and the work of God in your life. You see, courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid. Courage means that you don't let fear stop you. That's what it means. How many lives, how many opportunities, how many uh, 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 things have been sacrificed by, by fear, by somebody being afraid. Amen. Courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid, but it means you don't let fear stop you. And as God calls this church to, to do greater things, I've made up my mind to not let fear stop the work that God wants to accomplish. We will not run as a church, as a body of Christ. We will remain remain steadfast and fear not Paul in his letter to the Philippian church writes whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ worthy of the gospel you and I we as Christians are called to live a life that shows the worth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. Lead a life worthy of the gospel. Literally, let your life be a notice, be a bulletin, be an announcement of how valuable the gospel is. And then Paul said that one of the effects that the gospel has on the life of those who live it is one that is not afraid. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith. And in nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing terrified by your adversaries. Lead a life worthy of the gospel so that when I come, I may find that you stand firm, unafraid of any of your opponents, unafraid of the evil that's going on. In other words, one of the ways that our lives show the worth of the gospel is that when the gospel makes us bold and it makes us courageous and it makes us unafraid. And here's the deal. I believe that we've all been set free from fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. But just because we've been set free from it doesn't mean that it just disappears altogether. 
Being set free from something doesn't mean that we won't ever have to deal with it again. Being set free from fear doesn't mean that we won't ever have to be uh, be fearful again. I hate to break it to you this morning, but there are going to be times, multiple times in your life where you are going to have fear come against you. Some of you have dealt with it today. Some of you have dealt with it this weekend, this past week. Some of you have dealt with it your entire life. Being set free from something doesn't mean the disappearance of it. We are still going to have to fight fear that tries to come against us but you see now that we have been filled with the spirit we have the power now to recognize it and know that we have authority over it and we have the option to let it rule us or we rule it for God has not given us a spirit of fear But you know what he did give us? One of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we are unafraid, when we learn to exercise our authority over those fears, this is what a life that is worthy of the gospel looks like. Let that be said of everyone in this place this morning. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't have to fear my enemies. I don't have to fear the evil. I don't have to run. A life that's worthy of the gospel is courageous. It is unafraid. And somebody said amen. Amen. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. My prayer this morning is that we finally wake up and realize that we are a child of God and because of that we no longer have to remain a slave to fear because that's what fear turns us into. Slaves. 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 Proverbs 28 and 1 is a powerful confirmation of that truth. Proverbs 28 and 1 says... The wicked flee, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. I want you to see something this morning in this text. There is a correlation going on here. There is a correlation between wickedness and fear on the one hand and righteous and courage on the other. And the gospel is a message of how wicked people can get their lives put together. We sit here this morning because we've all been affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We all have found our spots out in the world, but thank God we rejoice this morning because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that made the difference in our lives. That's what the gospel is. It is a message about how wicked people can get their lives put together. It's a message about how the wicked through Jesus Christ can have a righteousness that makes them bold, bold as a lion. Let's think about this verse for a few moments here today. But before we do, I want to clear up a misunderstanding sometimes. When Proverbs says that the wicked flee when no one is pursuing and the righteous are as bold as a lion, it does not mean that there are no bold, wicked people. It doesn't mean that. 
It, it, it doesn't mean that no times will there ever be times where righteous are timid. It means that in general, there is something about wickedness that leads to fear and something about righteousness that leads to boldness. The reason we know this is Proverbs also writes in chapter 14, it says that the fool rages and is bold. The same Hebrew word as used here for what the righteous do, they're bold as a lion. Most versions translate the word careless. The fool rages and is careless. The verse means that it is possible for a fool who doesn't even believe in God, let alone the gospel, to act in a bold and reckless way, even risk his life. I'm sure we know somebody that's, that's like this. We have come in contact with, with a group of people or we know family members that are like this. They don't even believe in God. They don't even, they can be bold in their actions. So the point of Proverbs 28.1 is not that the wicked can't ever act in bold and reckless ways. In fact, for the sake of more wickedness, there is often an utterly foolish willingness to take crazy risk. We see this through the sinfulness of the world, the, 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 pay attention to the politics that are going on, everything that, in every court system that's going on right now. There are some very bold moves that are taking place on the side of the wicked. All of the horrible choices that people have made and are making. This world can get a little bold. It can get a little reckless. Proverbs 28.1 doesn't have in mind that kind of boldness though when it says that the righteous have it and the wicked don't. The boldness in view is the boldness required for a just cause. For a just cause. But what is it about the wicked that makes them so often flee in the presence of justice? The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. What is it? Well, I think we can answer that question from our own experience and from biblical examples. The answer is a bad conscience. A bad conscience. I can remember, I can remember being in a car with my mom and brothers and us passing a cop car and her saying, don't turn around. Don't look out the back window. Don't stare at them. Probably because none of us boys had our seatbelts on. It was the nineties. Nobody used those things. She had a bad conscience. Has anybody ever done that before? When you see a police car ahead, your is your response one of confidence and, and peace or is it one of fear and avoidance? Like, <laughs> Some of you are like, let me make sure I'm doing two miles over the speed limit. If I do exactly the speed limit, that's just a dead giveaway. Such a stepping on some toes. <laughs> The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. Do you know of anyone that starts to defend themselves in a conversation before anybody even criticizes them? <laughs> you see, we flee 
when we're not even being pursued. Because we have a bad conscience. There are enough stored up bad things that we've done that a voice inside tells us someone is after us even when they're not. And we've got to understand, guilt is the parent of fear. Some of you didn't get that. Guilt is the parent of fear. Guilt. Our conscience creates the pursuer that ought to be there even when he is not there. The earliest example is the one of Adam in the Garden of Eden. He sins. He acts wickedly. He rebels. He believes the serpent instead of God. Then Genesis 3.8 says that Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Not stalking. He was just walking. He is not pursuing. He is there as he often was. He was there to meet with them, to walk with them. But now something is different. Now things have change you know what's different church now Adam and Eve have a bad conscience verse 8 goes on and a man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden let me tell you what a bad conscience does. A bad conscience turns breezes into burglars and shadows into ghosts and police into adversaries and parents into police and God into an enemy. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And then the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. I was afraid. Never before did Adam have to flee at the arrival of God. Never before. And now he flees when no one is pursuing. Why? Because his conscience condemns him. And he hears this condemnation in every breeze that blows and every creak in the door. He sees it in every shadow and every flashing light. And he even feels it in the presence of God. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing Church, what this is teaching is that you and I have a conscience given by God and that our conscience is committed to getting our accounts settled, to making things right when we've done wrong. In fact, this God-given conscience is so committed not to let us rest with wrong that it will create pursuers out of nothing. A guilty conscience will turn shadows into phantoms and innocent inquiries into indictment. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door and we think it's an end me. We think it's a burglar. It will turn parents into cross examiners and friends into traitors. A guilty conscience will create pursuers out of anything unless we attempt to drown it with the things of this world, which is what we see a lot. We try to numb the pain. We try to drown it with more sinfulness. 
The wicked are people who will not make right what they have done wrong, nor set their face to do good. And while the grace of God persists, they flee when no one pursues. They cease to hear the footsteps of God in the garden. They live a life that is dominated by fear. And I'm here to help somebody today and to tell you that that is not a life that is worthy of the gospel. We were not created to be afraid. We were not created to fear our enemies. But we were created to be be bold as a lion. <laughs> to be confident in our God whom we serve, whom we live for. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Who are the righteous? Who are the lion-hearted righteous ones? Psalms 32, as our music comes. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Yes. Anybody's thankful this morning for the mercy and the grace of our great God? Has anybody thankful for His mercy and His grace? While we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. There are people today that can't come to the house of the Lord because of fear. 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 Well, if I walk in that place, that place is about to be struck by lightning. That place is going to crumble on top of me because of what I've done, the life that I've lived. Let me tell you something today. If you are a hundred times worse than the person you are right now, it is still no match for His mercy. It is still no match for His grace. It is still no match for His love. The wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous but the righteous are as bold as a lion I'm going to read that verse again David says how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered how blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Then at the end of the psalm, David tells us what sort of person this is whose sins are forgiven and whose transgressions are not counted. He says this, He who trusts in the Lord. Yes, hallelujah. He who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let me tell you who the righteous ones are. They are the ones who trust in the Lord, the ones who still have faith and bank their hope on the mercy and the power and the wisdom of God. These are the ones against whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose sins are forgiven. They are righteous. Not with the righteousness of their own, but with the imputed righteousness of God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord today? 
righteousness, but it's His. Their hearts, as 1 John tells us, no longer condemn them. There's no fear. They are right with God because of His grace, not because of their merit. And their boldness with God and with men shows the worth and the value of the gospel. Would you stand with me today? Would you bow your head, close your eyes in this place? Spirit of the Lord is here. Spirit of the Lord is here. Ask yourself this question. Is my life worthy of the gospel? Is my life worthy? I'm not asking were you worth saving. We already know you were worth saving. But am I living the life? Once the waters of baptism have dried off, am I living the life that is worthy of the gospel? The wicked flee when no one pursues because their conscience, the echo of God, condemns them. But the righteous are bold as a lion because their conscience is made clean by the righteousness of God imputed to them through Jesus Christ. And there is now no condemnation. Isaiah 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God is calling you to not be afraid. Fear not, because God is with you. Fear not, because God is with you. That's why we don't fear evil. That's why we don't fear the enemy, because we fear God. Our fear is positioned correctly. So we don't have to fear. Fear not because God is with you. Fear not because God is your God. Fear not because God will give you strength. Fear not because God will help you. Fear not because God will support you and hold you up by His victorious right hand. He said, I am your God. That is, I am above you. I am over you with my mighty hand. Over you. I am with you. I am beside you. I will help you from whatever angle the enemy tries to come at you or any attack or any threat. He says, I am all around you as your help. I will strengthen you from the inside out. I will be your strength and I will uphold you from underneath 
do not be afraid church on your journey in this life I know there are things I'm not here to try to tell you that fear is just a figment of your imagination I'm not here to tell you that once you trust God that that fear goes away but what that fear or what that does that relationship with God you trusting in Him it allows you to stand right there it allows you to walk out on the water even though the storms are blowing even though everything is chaotic around you trusting in the Lord having faith in Him allows you to make it through hell on earth we trust him our faith is in him there is one great ground for fearlessness you know what that great ground is God God you have a God who is infinitely more powerful he is God he is God do you trust him today Is your faith still in the right place? Is your fear still in the right place? It's my prayer this morning that the gospel of God's free righteousness will take us captive and radically free us from fear so that we can be as bold as a lion for the sake of the gospel. Oh, your giants will still be there. David trusted in the Lord. That didn't make Goliath disappear. The fire didn't disappear. Paul's prison cell didn't disappear. But you know what else didn't disappear? His trust. His faith. His confidence. I have a God who is before me. I have a God that nothing shall hinder me. I have a God that I can go through anything. It doesn't matter if I live or I die. Paul's life testimony was rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And he said that in a prison cell. No fear. Worthy of the gospel. One more time, bow your head, close your eyes as they begin to play and sing. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.